Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. Uh, we're going to be in second, uh, excuse me, First Samuel chapter three. But as we get going this morning, um. I have felt the compulsion, the, uh, I don't know what you call it, the promptings of the spirits or uh, to, to respond in a way to what all has gone on over the last couple of weeks in our country uh, because it is troubling. Um, but he, and it has troubled me, but here's what's troubled me. Thank you, Willie. The um, in John, in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells us quite explicitly. It's right there in red and bl- in red and white on the on your on. The pages of scripture, uh, Jesus said that uh, men, the people, would know that we're his disciples by the way we love one another. And what has been the most disturbing thing to me as a person who grew up in, in, uh, who grew up in a Christian home, who grew up in church, um, is it seems we've forgotten that uh, as a country, especially as the believers. I don't, I don't care. I care less about Republicans and Democrats. I care less about people who do not believe in Jesus. What I do care deeply about is people who claim to know Christ, who claim to follow Christ, who can't follow that. And make no mistake, I'm not passing judgment because there are plenty of things written in this book that on a daily basis I fail. Um, and it is in those moments of failure that the Spirit reminds me um, of the graciousness of God and that I can come back and repent. And so my invitation this morning, um, if you have allowed the things that have happened over the last, we'll call it three months, it's really been longer than that, but to drive wedges between you and other believers because you all differ on opinions and political viewpoints or whatnot, repent. Um, If you've let that come in between you and family members, spouses, children, repent. That is not a picture of the kingdom of God. Now, the argument may be said, well, what I'm seeing on TV is not a reflection of the kingdom of God, and you're absolutely right. (laughs) And Scripture tells us that. There's no call in Scripture for us to get involved in, in politics. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to, but God doesn't demand it. What God does demand is that we're obedient to him. And what Christ said is that if you love me, 
you will be my disciple. Later in that same chapter in John, and if you want to read it, just read John 14, 13, 14, 15. Just read those three chapters. Uh, what he does say later is, then if you are my disciple, you will love me. And then later he says, and everybody's going to know you're my disciple by the way you love one another. And so if we're going to be Jesus' disciples, we have to follow what he called us to do. He never called us to follow any certain political viewpoint. In fact, the gospel uh, talks, scripture talks very, very openly about there being antichrists. And it uses the plural. It doesn't, I remember as a kid, like I grew up and there was like this antichrist, this big scary creature that was on all my heavy metal records, right? And my mom and dad, I had to hide them under my bed so my mom and dad didn't see them. So if they're watching now, I'm busted. But, and, uh, you know, they were, you know, there was this, this thing, right? And I absolutely believe in, in a personal evil. I believe that there was uh, an evil one that was tried to compete with God and was cast out as a result. And Satan does rule this earth as, at the moment. But he, James reminded us this morning, he doesn't have any power that God has not allowed. Just like we see in the first book of Job, he goes groveling before God saying, can I do this? Um, and that's where our confidence lies, right? But it talks in Scripture about there being antichrists. Multiple ones, and I can tell you without a doubt and without any reservation in my body, in my mind, in my spirit, that anything that leads us away from God is an antichrist, is the antithesis of what Christ was. And trust me, that is true for, and trust me, that is true for liberty, and trust me, that is true for the Republican Party. And trust me, that is true for the Libertarian Party and the Green Party and anything else because they're building systems on earth that will fail. And our call is to follow Christ. And so if you are allowing these things that are not of God to drive wedges between you and others, to drive hate in your heart, like if you look at someone else, I, I read a, there was a quote by Pastor, you tweeted out yesterday, but man, it struck a chord because I found myself in this place. He said, the quickest way to become a Pharisee is to hate Pharisees, to be that person who says, God, thank you, I'm not like that. What was the Pharisee? The Pharisee was that person who said, thank you, God, I'm not like that tax collector. Thank you, God, I'm not like that adulterer. Thank you, God, I'm not like that. And as soon as we put whatever it is in front of that, we are becoming that thing that we're thanking God we're not because it's a, just a different thing that's not in line with who Christ is. Um, because God doesn't say that you can be thankful because you're not anything. The only thing he says is you can be thankful that you are a child of mine, that I have redeemed you and I have saved you, and the foot of the cross is level, and that there is no hierarchy. And the problem with what is going on in the, the world today, well, there's a big problem, and it's all because people don't know Jesus, Right? The thing that bugs me is the people that I have grown up looking up to and seeing and claiming Christ who are using that to either spread false, <laughs> uh, spread conspiracy and different things that, that even if they're true, they're just there to drive fear, which we also know is not of God. And that that disturbs me more than anything else. I care less about any other stuff. The rest of the stuff is going to be there. 
Um, and it's always going to be there. And we can read scripture and it has always been there. Uh, call as believers is to love. And here's the, here's the interesting thing. And love only goes one way. Love is not, if you do this, then I'll do that. Love is very much, I'm going to do this regardless because I love you. And that's what Jesus did. And that's what he modeled for us. And that's what he called us to do. And so if you can only find arguments, if you know more about the conspiracy theories that are going around the internet than you do about what Scripture says, repent, right? If you're feeling proud that you know more about what Scripture says than the conspiracy theories on the internet, repent, right? Christ has called us to, to love him, to serve him. And in that repentance that we all need daily, our, our follow-up prayer really is to be, God, can you make my heart more like yours so that I can see that? Because right now, God, I'm not loving my neighbor as myself, and I need to have the heart that you have so that I do. Right now, I'm not, you know, whatever it is, and, and I need it. So, God, I repent of it, and please make my heart like yours. Hopefully, as you're reading through the scripture this year, and I hope that you're joining me in that, um, and just to clarify, there is no order that you have to do. My encouragement was go Genesis to Revelation just because I think it's interesting to see God's promises through Scripture and then as they are fulfilled. But it does not matter. But my encouragement is no matter what order you read it in, is that A, read it this year with us. And Bill, you're going to have to elaborate. I have no clue what that means. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but read it with us, uh, and as you do that, highlight the promises of right. If you start Revelation and go to Genesis, highlight the promises of God, right? If you start in the middle and go outward, I don't care. Just highlight the promises of God, um, and let that be the thing that influences you more than anything else. Because what both all four sides of the political argument, you know, there's like every side of it, they're driving you, like they're selling that with fear. And if we can remember the promise of God, what do we have to be scared of? Uh, we don't have anything to be scared of. And so let those promises be a thing. And then the other encouragement was keep a journal. You don't have to write in it daily. I'm not a daily journal guy. I never have been. I'm hoping that maybe I can develop that skill set. I'm just not. I'm being honest. Um, but if it is, oh, never mind, Bill. I got you. Uh, if it is um, something that you do daily, great. What I'm encouraging you, whether you do it daily or not do it daily, is to uh, add in this little thing or begin this little thing of just writing down all the times that you can remember that God has been faithful to you. And the reason I said journals, because we could just go down with a piece of paper and number it one through 20 and here's the things, right? But what I've found is as I go throughout my day, I can remember, oh, this is a, I totally forgot about this. This is a time where God was faithful to me. As we begin to see God's promises, we begin to see his faithfulness because what, if you're anything like me, what happens at the beginning is you see God's faithfulness in the big things, Right? In that time that you were hopeful that you got the prognosis back that you wanted from the doctor and you got it, right? Or the time that you really needed God's help with something that happened. And I don't necessarily notice initially God's faithfulness in the smaller 
things. And so the, the encouragement is to just keep that journal because you're going to probably remember the big things first. I mean, you're going to remember those grand things. And then as throughout the year, especially as you begin to see God's faithfulness is more than just in the big things. It's in these little small things, these little small details, and the fact that my, both my feet hit the floor today, right? The fact that I can wake up and breathe, the fact that I can, you know, whatever. And you'll start to narrow that down to even the smallest things and remember, oh, this was a time where I was in need of God and his faithfulness. Some of the most faithful times in my life that I can look back on is that God uh, did something for me that I wasn't even asking, that I didn't know at the time that I needed. And then I realized later I did. It's like, man, that was like the hand of God. So that's the encouragement that we do. And that's my commentary on the last couple of weeks because I care less about what any institution, what any government, what anything else does. Government is not for God. I don't care. We, we, we started back in the 70s to believe a lie that there was a certain political party that was tied into God's heart because of one issue. And if you think you can boil down your relationship to God to one issue, you, uh, you don't understand God because God cares about everything about you. Remember last week we talked about he knows your the hairs on your head. If he knows down to that detail, there's more than one issue that's true to the heart of God. And so we begin to believe a lie that God was in this thing. And God was like, I don't care. There's been political systems from the time I created man, right? They were begging me for it. And God said, no, just rely on me. And then they said, no, we want judges. We want kings. We want all these things. And God said, okay, I'll give you what you want, but it's not going to be the same and I think we can unequivocally say that it has not been the same, uh, although we don't really know what it was like back then, but we read these stories. And so in reading those stories, we understand that something changed when they began to do that. And God said, I've had this since the very beginning. None of them have been after my heart. I have used them to accomplish things. And the, the, the scary part for us is, if we believe one side that says that anything that's happening bad is because the devil is working through another political party that's against mine, go back and read how God used King Herod. Right? Go back and read how God's scripture was fulfilled through the person of Judas. Go back and read what God did. Go back and read Daniel, what God did through Nebuchadnezzar and, his, and his, uh, later his grandson. And that God used that. So sometimes the way God used government was not the way that we wanted it to be used. We want it to be used for our blessing, our freedom, our whatever. And sometimes God said, nope, Babylonians, I'm giving you free reign. Go get them because we got some work to do. We got some lessons to teach. And, and I'm not trying to understand God. <laughs> I hope every day, my, one of my biggest prayers daily is that God gives me wisdom uh, I prayed a lot in my normal life, and every night that we say our prayers with my kids, my kids hear me pray that because that's what I need. And I'm hoping, I'm understanding that God's given me a little bit of revelation here and there. Um, but God's word doesn't fail, and God uses all things. And what man intended for evil, God has used for good, and we can go through scriptures and see that. In fact, this morning, we're going to use it as a segue to get to Samuel 3, 1 Samuel 3. 1 Samuel 3 
If you have a scripture or have a Bible that has the call of God, this is a place where it says, or that has like headings. This is a place where it says Samuel's call or God calls Samuel. Uh, and the interesting thing is, so Samuel was this little boy, just a brief thing. Samuel was, was, this, uh, was just a hope in his mom's uh, heart. And God granted that. And she said, if you can give me this, I will dedicate this boy to your service. So that's what happened. God granted her wish or her prayer, her heart's plea. She had this baby. She dedicates him. She sends him to the temple to live with Eli and to be trained in there. Eli's family was the family that was called to, to kind of run the temple and run the worship services and all the festivals and sacrifices. And that, was, that kind of passed down through that lineage. And Eli's sons were the one who were going to take over for Eli. Eli was a guy in there, and their sons were kind of supposed to be learning it, and he didn't. And then we kind of hear through some, some prophecy that God gives to Samuel in this chapter of what happens. Um, but as we read it, don't miss. So here's the, here's the key thing to 1 Samuel 3. Uh, Luke kind of intentionally writes his gospel in a way that kind of mimics um, Samuel's story, when he, te- when he, so Jesus is presented to the temple, at the temple to Simeon, this old man who sees who it is, and this person work of Jesus is now about to come in and radically transform from a priesthood at the temple to the priesthood of Christ. And we see that through his life. And then what was happening here in the story of Samuel was God was doing the same thing. He was taking this this boy who didn't yet understand his place in, in the story, and he's changing this leadership, and it's about to move from Eli's hands into Samuel. So God was kind of doing this transformation. So let's read the first 20 verses of 1 Samuel 3. The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and a prophetic vision And prophetic visions were not widespread. One day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place before the lamp of God had gone out. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Then the Lord called Samuel and he answered him, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. I didn't call. Eli replied, Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. And once again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. I didn't call you, my son, he replied. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, he went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, you called me. And then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, Go lie down. If he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came, stood there, and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, Speak, for your servant is listening. Therefore, the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do something in Israel that everyone who hears about it will shudder. On that day, I will carry out against Eli everything I said about his family from beginning to end. I told him that I'm going to judge his family forever because of the iniquity he knows about. 
His sons are cursing God, and he has not stopped them. Therefore, I have sworn to Eli's family, the iniquity of Eli's family will never be wiped out by either sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning, and then he opened the doors of the Lord's house. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called. Eli asked, don't hide it from me. May God punish you and do it so severely if you hide anything from me that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and did not hide anything from him. Eli responded, he is the Lord. Let him do what he thinks is good. Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and he fulfilled everything Samuel prophesied. All Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was confirmed was a confirmed prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear in Shiloh because there he revealed himself to Samuel by his word. Let's pray. God, this morning as we seek wisdom from your word, would you provide it? Would you bless us and help us individually to hear what your spirit may be saying to us through this, through these scriptures? God, would you move our hearts, we pray in your name. Amen. So there's three things that are happening here in this um, in this scripture that we're going to kind of break it down really quickly. The first is we have this call, right? God is calling out to Samuel. The second is Samuel's response to the call. And the third thing that we do see in this third chapter of First Samuel is the justice of God, that God's passion was for righteousness. So the first thing is we see that God is calling Samuel as God calls to each of us, and the call comes to us differently. Um, Samuel's call was, and we're going to expound on a little bit, was just to listen God didn't ask Samuel to do anything, if you look at that. And so we're going to pull that apart in a second. But he was there to just listen. But he called Samuel by name. When God calls us, it's important. Because God is calling us individually. God's calling us according to the things that he's gifted us for. God didn't call Samuel to be a prophet of Israel and then not give him God has blessed and equipped. Right? That would be ridiculous. God has blessed and equipped each of us, and God calls each of us. It's not unique to the spiritual folks, right? It's not unique to those who are only called into full-time ministry or only called into whatever. Uh, it may be that you deem worthy enough to be, receive a call from God. God calls people. I just railed about it, but God calls people into politics. God calls people into entertainment, and God calls people into service industries, and God calls people into uh, different aspects of, of, of industry that we see in the world because God's heart is that he is seen in every place in society. God calls each of us. Sometimes you may be a businessman or a businesswoman, and God's, but God's call, yes, how you make money, but God's call is, I want you to minister to this neighborhood, and maybe through making that money, you minister to this low-income neighborhood because that's what God's called you to do. I do not know or claim to know or want to know 
uh, necessarily what God has called you to, but I do know and I want you to know that God has called you. And I hope that you know what that is. If you don't, we can be very pliable and just answer God, well, what do you have for me? What are you calling me to? Have I missed those words where you said my name and I missed it? If I did, would you refresh that? God's mercies are new every day. And his call to us doesn't waver. Now, it may be look different as our time goes on. Uh, there was a period in my life where I, where I knew specifically God had called me to work with preteen and teenagers, right? I don't necessarily feel that compulsion anymore. It has shifted, but I definitely sense a call from God. And hopefully I'm living faithfully into that. When that call comes, the unique thing is, this is the creator of all the earth calling you by name. He knows how he created you. Remember, we talked about it already this morning and last week. He knows the numbers of the hairs on your head. If he knows that much about you, he knows exactly what you're gifted for and exactly what he has allowed you to do. Willie has shared with me a couple times over the last probably year and a half how this new call God has on his life to be reaching out to, to a group of people uh, just kind of across the street. So it's changed. That wasn't, that wasn't a call that he experienced beforehand. So it is constantly dynamic. Um, but what I do know is that God is calling each of us. And our response to that call um, is really just to alert us to the fact that he is in our lives, right? That he is present with us. That was kind of what he was doing to Samuel. He didn't ask Samuel to do anything, and we're, gonna, we're about to talk about that. So Samuel's response to the call uh, was just to listen to God. God didn't say, Samuel, I want you to go back and read it again. God never told Samuel to tell Eli, thus saith the Lord, you go tell this to Eli. God did not, God did not instruct Samuel to do that. God just called Eli to let him know, I'm here. You're kind of sleeping in my presence, right? I'm here. I know you by name, and I have a call for your life. That was it. That was the only thing God asked Samuel to do was just listen to me. And so when we think about that call to God or call from God, a lot of times God doesn't call us or summon us. God's call is not a place where we summon God into our presence, but God just summons us into his presence. We can't summon God. He's the creator of all universe, right? He's there in our midst regardless. Like, where is he not? I watched, the, I've told you guys this before, but I mean, it stuck with me. I watched this beautiful movie a few years ago. Al and Terry and uh, Michael and a couple other people went to this movie and it was a beautiful story. Uh, it was this word picture of this guy who was kind of trapped in this sin. And the way they were de de depicting it in the movie was that he was in this cave of death. And the, the, really th the thing that has stood out to me ever since then was this was a place where you figured God would not be, right? Because on this other hill, there was like this light that was shining, that was kind of drawing. But um, he went to the other place, and it was in this deep, dark cave. There was death all around it. Guess who was in there calling him out? God. 
Like that's true for each of us. We think that we, there used to be this moniker I remember my pastor used to say when I was, uh, when I was little growing up, and I, he would talk about Sunday only Christians, and you can't leave Christ on the side of, uh, you know, leave him on Monday morning at your house and go to work and this and the other. I mean, we can say that, and we know the point that the person was getting at. I don't, you know, begrudge anybody for using that analogy. I know the point he was getting at. But the other side of that is there is no place that I'm going to go where I can't, where God's not going to be there. Even if I think I left him, God is there. And so God's call just reminds us that he is, he is there. And there's a lot of times it was the fact that God is there and that God is kind to us. Uh, with that, When I'm in sin and Christ is there, God's kindness is the thing that leads me to repentance because he didn't strike me down, right, and kill me right then. He was kind and merciful to me. And when I know that Christ is present, uh, I mean, that changes things. And it changed, it, changes, it changed Samuel. Samuel's response to this call, he needed help. And that's an, that an encouragement to some of us who are older in faith than others is that Samuel needed Eli. It wasn't, now, now, make no mistake, God was changing the guard. And Eli finds out the next morning. Eli's response is what you would hope it would be from an older, wiser believer. That God is God and he's going to do what he, he needs to do. And because he's God, it's good. And so I'm okay with that. That's what you would hope would be the case, even for someone who was in sin to say, I understand. Kind of like Moses sitting on the hill looking over the promised land. I mean, he wanted to be there. That was kind of his thing. He was taking the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land, he didn't quite get there because of some sin. He didn't begrudge God. He said, God, that's what you would hope, right? But even though God was changing things, and, 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 and there's a lot of churches today and uh, where it feels like maybe some of the shift is changing to a younger generation, but make no mistake about it, the younger generation still needed Samuel still needed Eli. Even though God's judgment was being passed upon Eli's family, we still see some stories where Eli plays a role in Samuel's life. In fact, Eli's response, I'm certain, helped form Samuel and his faithfulness to God to see Eli take that kind of word and internalize it and say, God is good. He's going to do what he needs to do because he's God. But the interesting thing about the call to God, and a lot of times we think the call to God is a call to action, and this was not necessarily the case. Now, I do think there are places and times where God does call us to action, so this is not to say that God never does. But a lot of times in the church world, like, we hear that, right? God's calls you, now go. Let's get out into the streets, and let's, you know, whatever it is. Like, what you know, it's a call to action. But I think that this story is an important reminder that God's call is not always to go and physically do something. In fact, there's no better action that Samuel could have done than to sit in the presence of God and listen to what God was saying. God did not ask Eli, Samuel to go do anything with that other than, hey, I just want you to know this is what's going to happen because I'm God and I'm good. And oftentimes some of the most spiritual things we can do is to not do anything but sit in the presence of God, trusting that God is going to give us what we need for the moment in which we need it. The last thing we see is the justice of God. 
the justice of God, right? Some of us have felt that it was our job over the last, you know, three weeks, four years, 43 years, whatever it is, to be God's hand of justice. I'm going to bring about justice by the way that I retweet this tweet (laughs) or share this Facebook post or I'm going to bring about justice by the way I go and protest or by the way I don't or by it is God's justice and it's based off of his rightness and that's where we mix it up because sometimes we think the thing we're passionate about means that this is what's right with God and and it may very well be but we may find ourselves on the wrong side of that. And the only way you can be really sure is to let God direct that, to let God do that. Because that's what God, God didn't say, Eli, I mean, Samuel, I want you to go take a knife, stab Eli in the neck and be done with it because I'm transferring this. That wasn't what happened. In fact, we see the same story later when Samuel becomes, has an even more important role and he, he actually declares this same kind of Saul was the king and now Daniel's going to be the king. But how long did Daniel know that he was, ordained the king by God, but wasn't yet the king of the, of, the, of the armies and of the country. It was a long time. Like, it, was, it wasn't just overnight. <laughs> like, Sa- David knew that, and it took a while. Same thing with Samuel. Samuel knew that, but it happened in God's time. It happened when God saw fit. And so we can't get that cart before the horse, proverbially speaking. <laughs> Like, God is the one who brings about rightness and justice. God is the only one who knows what is right. In fact, Scripture tells us there is not anyone that is right or good except for God himself. And we sometimes forget that, right? We think, well, I didn't do too bad. And we don't like to hear that. Like, that's the last thing we want to hear. There is not any good. No, not one. We don't want to believe that because we want to think, I didn't do that bad yesterday. I did okay. And you, you may have, but you weren't good. You weren't right like God is right. And God is, God's call does bring justice, but it brings about the justice that God seeks. And so the beautiful thing is we can trust that God is good and that God is just that we have a role to play in what God is doing, but it's not to get in front of God and assume we know what he's calling us to do. But it's to rest in his presence and to be led by him. Be obedient to that and trust that in that obedience, God is going to do what he needs to do. Because sometimes, I mean, if we're being honest, it doesn't really feel super obedient if we just do it and nothing changes. God may just call us to faithfully live for 85 years and die and never see anything grand. Because it's not our work that's doing it. It is God, and God is going to do what he needs to do. I want it to, and I can't explain that any better because I want it to, even even inside of me as I'm saying it, I want to say because you, this may be what happens. Your faithfulness over 85 years may lead. I mean, and that may be true, but I don't know. <laughs> all I know is that God has called me to be faithful to what he's called me to do. And all I know is that God has called you to be faithful to whatever it is he's called you to do. 
and that he is calling us. The creator of everything is calling us. And in that calling, our response can only be obedience, not anything else. Even if we want it to be. <laughs> uh, I mean, we got this entire book, right? And we got like all of history uh, since God created the earth and 2,000 years since Jesus came and died. And we can name maybe 100 people, right? How many people have, have been, like, of the grandiose things, like we can name maybe 100 people, maybe not even get that much over the history of things. And if we look at the scripture, we can't even get, probably get that many. Uh, but sometimes it doesn't feel faithful unless we're being obedient and then this grand thing just happens. Like, I'm going to be obedient for like two weeks, and hopefully I'm out of debt by then. <laughs> I'm going to be obedient, and hopefully I get this healing at this point, right? God just calls us to faithful obedience. One of my favorite stories of that is of Eleazar at the end of 2 Samuel. Eleazar promised that he would fight for the God of, of uh, David, and uh, that would be his what he did. And so there was a point in time where the Philistines came and everybody took off. Eleazar said, well, this is what I've been promised to do. So here I go. Probably thinking I'm dead, right? But I'm going to die doing what I swore I was going to do rather than run. So he just starts swinging his sword. And the scripture tells us that sword froze to his hand because like, he was gripping it so tightly. And he just kept swinging away. And the interesting thing is that at the end of that little couple verses, it says, and God brought about a great victory that day. Not Eleazar, not David, not the suckers who ran, right? God brought about a great victory that day. And that's what God's calling us to do, just to be faithful. We don't always, like Eleazar, get to see the victory. But we do one day, right? Like one day, if we're faithful to what God's called us to do, we will see the victory. His call means that he knows us intimately and summons us into his presence. Our response should only be obedience. And sometimes, just sometimes, that means only listening and not even a call to action, so to speak. And God's call always brings about righteousness and what is just, even when we don't necessarily see it happen. So as we look to, to the story of Eli and Samuel, may we be encouraged to know that, you know, hey, God is calling us. May we also be encouraged by the life of Eli to see what Eli failed to see. Because one of the things Eli failed to do, and one of the reasons God brought about justice, it says in Scripture, was he did not act, right? So sometimes God's call is a call to action. The Lord said, I'm about to do something on Israel that everyone who hears about it will shudder. On that day, I will carry out against Eli everything I said about his family from beginning to end. I told him that I'm going to judge his family forever because of the iniquity that he knows about. His sons are cursing God and he has not stopped them. Sometimes the call of God is to speak up. To stand in the gap for what we know that God has called us to do. To 
speak out, right? But never in hatred. There were plenty of people that Jesus, uh, that lived a life in a way that Jesus did not call them to. So think about the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was what? He was a tax collector. He was ripping people off, completely against his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters off, completely against what Christ was doing. Christ did not say, well, it's okay, Zacchaeus. You know, you're trying your hardest. You've been deceived or whatever. I mean, Jesus called sin, sin. Jesus said, this is wrong. Jesus spoke out and stood in the gap and said, nope, you're not, you don't need to do this. Like, this is wrong. But it wasn't because of Jesus' vindication or arguments or anger that did it. It was Christ's love. In fact, Jesus said, let's go have dinner at your house. And he went. And that drove Zacchaeus to a place of repentance, to a place to say, I've done wrong. I'm going to give back. I'm going to replenish and and resupply. Um, It wasn't God's anger that drove Zacchaeus back to him. It was God's kindness. And so never let the compulsion to stand in the gap for something, to speak for something, ever come across as anything less than loving. Because that is kind of the picture and the model that we get. So sometimes God does call us to act. And he brings judgment against the times that we don't. But he never calls us to do it as a jerk. With a mean spirit and an arrogant heart. It was always with humility and love that Christ did it. The person who had ultimate power came here to this earth, laid all that down, and actually didn't use the power of men to show how big and grand he was. He actually showed it through sacrifice. And that is what Jesus is calling us to. Ultimately, it's like the one thing I know that he's called all of us to do because we read in scripture. It says, love your neighbors just as you love yourself. Pray for your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. So this morning, to that God who has showed us kindness even when we don't listen to him or don't always heed his call, Or sometimes just flat out disobey it. But he still loves us. He still calls us children. And he still is lovingly reminding us and gently bringing us back to him. Um, May we come this morning with prayers on our hearts. Um, I want to mention one uh, specifically before we pray. And then then, uh, please feel free to pray for... for, uh, Others, as we as we pray, I invite you to pray as lo- as well. But I mentioned last week that our friend Ted, our brother Ted, had a, a surgery coming up this Tuesday, and I heard from his wife Tuesday later in the day said everything went successful. But the next couple of weeks would be really important. Uh, basically, said his foot cannot touch the ground for the next couple of weeks to really make sure that it heals. And so I would invite you to pray with me for, for Ted that, that that healing does take place. 
um, and that the road to recovery uh, is, is speedy, but that we don't try to force it, right? But that God can force it by his healing hand. And so we pray for that. Um, and so uh, I'm sure there are many other things that are on your heart, that's on your mind, um, from the state of our country down to some sickness in your household or some fear that's going on in your mind. Whatever it is during this time, I invite you, don't even necessarily need to listen to my words, I invite you to pray to the same God who's hearing the words that I'm praying uh, trusting that he is going to be faithful, that it's going to be something we can put in that journal and say, this is a way that God showed his faithfulness to me. So let's pray. God, we thank you that your call is not isolated to the the professional Christians, the people that you've called in the full-time ministry or to some thing like that, but God, your call comes to each of us. You have something for each of us. You know each of us by name. You call us and draw us into your presence, and God, I pray that we would not ignore that, that we would embrace your presence, that we would crave to be in your presence uh, daily, hourly, God, knowing that you sustain life and that we can't make it without you. We know that is true, and sometimes we forget, or sometimes we think it's going to be better if I act than if I pray right now. Forgive us for those thoughts, God, because we know that there is no better action that we can do than to pray. But God, I do ask that if you call us to act, that we would uh, be obedient to that as well. Let us not be arrogant, prideful, angry, but God, may we show humility. May we be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they are the children of God. God, we lift up our brother Ted this morning to you too. You know why. You know what. God, our prayer is as we intercede on his behalf is that you would bring healing. God, as we pause, would you hear the, the prayers deep in our hearts? God, through your Holy Spirit, would you move our hearts to a place of compassion for those who are different from us, who we maybe want to be angry with or hate? God, would you show us what it is to, you have shown us what it is to love our enemies. Would you give us the desire to want to do that? God, we love you. Your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.mosaiceasley.org.